Hey, it's Carly Rieger from the Artistry of Change and Mind Story Academy, and we'd like to present the Successful Life Podcast. Discover mindset secrets for success in business and life. So hey everyone, it's Carla Rieger and I have Joe Tolzman here with me today who I heard him speak at the Entrepreneur Conference recently and I loved his speech, his story, he's a great speaker and he was nominated and won the Top 40 Under 40 Award. He was nominated by his employees and clients who just thought really well of him as a business leader as well as for the community service work he does and I love his rags to riches story and some of his tools for how he maintains a really good team. So, and I think it would also be very inspirational for business owners who are new immigrants because he came to Canada from Croatia as a new immigrant, couldn't speak English, and he had to get comfortable with a new culture and have to learn a new language. And, and so his mindset, his attitude, his uh, visionary focus, I think has really helped him win that award and be as successful as he's been over the last 15 years in creating and running successful companies with tremendous growth curves. And he is recognized as an innovative and highly principled executive with multiple certifications and extensive experience in construction, real estate developments, property restorations and insurance claims industry. He is the founder and CEO of Superior Flood and Restoration at this time. And so let's jump in with some questions. So give us a little bit about your background and you coming to Canada, like what motivated you to come here and how was it for you when you first got started? When I started my company, one of the, the first employees was uh, Ken, who is still our VP of side operations now, and he's an immigrant too, an ESL, and we could barely communicate in the beginning. And there's a lot of funny stories around it. But uh, we both struggled with English, and despite our differences, we managed to work together because we share our common values. And that's what inspired me to build a diverse and multicultural organization where today, where everyone has an equal opportunity to succeed. That's huge, especially here in Vancouver, where it is such a big multicultural community. And tell me, what are some of the values that are important in your company that you think has helped you succeed? Well, dedication, trust, integrity, definitely that's the, the foundation, the basis for everything else. For those of you starting a business or trying to build your business, um, what are some things that you've done that you think has helped, for example, build trust? Because as you say, it needs to be earned rather than just blindly accepted. So what do you think has helped earn trust on your team? Well, definitely communication and have people understand their purpose. You remember, for that to work, everyone needs to have a purpose and everyone needs to know their role, their objective, and work through the process together, supporting each other. Communication is the key. Often people, if they're not clear on what their role is, people will wander on their own and maybe go in a different directions. Well, everybody wants to get to the same goal, but without understanding each other, they might feel they're disconnected and the trust might be ruined. But if it's clearly outlined, the role of each person, everyone, stick to what they need to do, they will get to the goal so much quicker and, and it's going to be better working environment. 
Yeah, I taught conflict resolution in the workplace for years, and the number one cause of conflict, and I'm sure you know what this is, but maybe our listeners don't know, it's unmet expectations, right? <laughs> and you're exactly saying that. If you think your role is one thing, but it's actually something else, and everyone's expecting something else from you, that's when you get conflict and a loss of trust. And so you, sounds like you prevent that through some regular habits of communication. What are some habits that you make sure your team does on a regular basis to prevent that kind of thing? You know, it's interesting what you said that uh, it looks like it doesn't matter what company or what industry it is or what type of work that the underlying issue, it's always the same and it starts with a building trust. So we put a lot of time into just communicating and people have understand what their role is and, and seeing what the goal is and then how to work towards that goal together. And so you have, for example, regular meetings with everyone on Monday mornings, right? Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, plan things, but as you know, you plan and then plan changes and you have to adapt and create solutions for the problems. You don't even know it existed. It's all about you know, resolving issues one by one, learning from that experience, sharing experience amongst the team, and you know, just focus on, on plain facts, logic, and common sense, and work together towards the end goal. And so do you put that out to your team if you've gone through a challenge, said to everyone, okay, what can we learn from this to apply next time? Absolutely, yeah, because every experience, every crisis that we go through, it brings us together and there's always something new to learn that can be utilized in the future to prevent similar issues from reoccurring. And a lot of leaders or business owners, they forget to do that. They just get into a reprimanding or punishing mode with people and, and they don't say, hey, you know, things happen, let's learn from it and do better next time. So it sounds like you've really got that established as a good habit. And what are some things that you think help where the communication has broken down, where trust has been lost and you need to regain it? What's kind of the first step that you think is important for people to do? Well, I think number one thing is remove the emotion from it because when things don't work out, we all get disappointed. I think that's just natural. But we have to be making decisions, not based on our emotion. We have to focus on simple facts, plain facts, logic, common sense, and then work from there. And I found it to be the most effective when people focus on what needs to get done and then just see how they can contribute to it and get so much quicker to the end goal. Yeah, I totally relate. You know, I was working with a restoration company, uh, employees, and they were bringing forth some issues that they dealt with. I'm sure you deal with this stuff all the time. They were getting lots of feedback from neighbors of the noise, and one of them wasn't dealing with it in as good a way as some of the others were. And so they actually sat down together and sort of relived exactly what was said to the neighbors and what the neighbors said and how they could do it better next time. And they just did a role play of, you know, what you say and how to, you know, bite your tongue if you are feeling emotional or triggered. Um, do you ever do that kind of thing, sort of relive a, a breakdown and kind of, okay, how do we do it better next time? 
absolutely recap what happened and then discuss what could have been done in order to prevent this better results. And then when everyone is aware of that and everyone realizes that no one did this on purpose to create problems or to make it worse, it just, it happened that way and, you know, big deal. We got to learn from it and do it better next time. Yeah, and I know in that situation, the the neighbor was, they were triggered, you know, they were upset. And then that made the employee of the restoration company upset too. And so just kind of biting your tongue and listening and asking questions and finding out underneath what's really going on and what do they need and finding a win-win solution. Yeah. yeah and I think that here is important also in a restoration, the type of work that we do, people suffer sudden an accidental loss so it's a traumatic experience for them and they might not communicate in a way that's the most pleasant at the moment so we need to understand their objective their point of view and, and just help them overcome that and work towards the final result and that's to get their life back on track and restore their property so they can go on with their regular life yeah, I'm sure that's a big part of what you do. In addition to all the technical and strategic work you do, it's it's dealing with people who've had fire and, and flood. And I certainly, that happened to a property I had. The whole place got completely flooded. It was all moldy and it was horrible to live in. And yeah, I, un I understand how you can be triggered. So do you teach a specific way of communicating with an upset client to your employees is there something you teach them absolutely because when people are upset they're not necessarily upset with us or with anyone in particular they might just be upset that this uh, traumatic event occurred and i think then it's very important to help them understand the process of you know getting them back to normal and you know clearly communicate to them what the process is and once they see you know, things are moving along and it goes towards the goal, everyone feels more comfortable. Yeah, that's really important is to just keep them focused on the end goal of restoration, how it's going to look, the light at the end of the tunnel. That's huge. And I know that you do that with your team too. You keep them vision focused. And a lot of leaders forget that or when you're dealing with people who are triggered is to keep them focused on the end goal because usually what they are, they're focused on what they don't like and what they don't want and they're looping in that world and you want to help them break out of that trance. So that's great. You know, trust is not given, it's earned, and it goes both ways. And I think investing into building trust amongst the team, it's it's not often prioritized enough, but it should definitely be an item in every business plan. It's worth the effort, and it's one of the fundamentals for growth and success. Yeah, totally. Now, you told me something that was really interesting that I think that would be useful for new immigrants wanting to be entrepreneurs, a habit that you got into to make sure that you got as comfortable as possible with the, the new language and culture. Can you share that? When I came first to Canada, I couldn't speak English at all. I mean, not at all. I remember, you know, in those days, it was a lot of funny stories and confusion around words like kitchen or chicken, three or tree. You know, not speaking English, it was a barrier. So that was the number one thing I had to focus on. And it wasn't just a self-limiting belief. It was really holding me back. If you don't speak the language, you can't do anything. You can't find a job. And 
I took ESL classes and practiced all the time, every day, even though I found it uncomfortable and, and embarrassing at times. But it's important to know that classes will only take you so far. You must practice because without practice, it just won't happen. So um, I taught myself how to speak English slowly and steadily. And I used every opportunity I got to practice. I purposely put myself into those uncomfortable situations where I just had no way out of it. And that forced me to practice and get better. And those were things like, you know, small talk with a neighbor or stranger in line at the grocery store or coffee barista at a coffee shop. And I found it really helped me. Yeah, and you get afraid. I've felt that way when I've been in another country trying to speak the language, but most people, they want to be helpful to you and help you learn the language, right? Very few people will ridicule you for saying a word incorrectly. They might get a little impatient, but <laughs> they're in a hurry, but mostly people are good natured that way. Is that what you found? Yeah, when people see you trying, they're inclined to help you and, you know, get through it. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you say, look, I really want to practice. And, and do you have an example of a funny story of mixing up an English word with something else? Pointing at a kitchen. Oh, kitchen. How beautiful remodeled chicken they have. Oh, there we go. So people wondered, where's the chicken? We, we're, we're vegetarian. <laughs> right? That's exactly. Okay. Yeah, and so to just laugh at those situations and then keep putting yourself out there. And so how did you move from new immigrant, just trying to find work, to business owner who has been massively successful for 15 years? How did you make that transition? I know it was many transitions, but what was kind of the, what was a defining moment for you, do you think? You know, it was that step-by-step -step process, one thing at a time. and. Uh... First, I was in construction, renovation, uh, then went to building envelope restoration, which if you remember, Leaky Condos. Yes. And during that era, I developed really good connections with property management community. They love their work and they started asking me if I was willing to do emergency response for flood or fire restoration. And since I love the rush, but also I love the aspect of helping people get their lives back to normal after a traumatic experience. I started doing that type of work and I ended up expanding into emergency response. And after that, I started to scale up my business from there. Great. So you just saw the opportunity, jumped on it, went for it and, and kept growing in that way. Yeah. You know, started with smaller projects and always focused on making sure the work is done right with the quality the client is happy so we can use it in portfolio to build up that to other jobs and, you know, expand further from there, but also to keep in mind the efficiency. Right. And that's a tricky balance, I know, in the world of construction and restoration. But it sounds like you, especially, I suppose, coming in at the time of the leaky condo issue, which for some of you who don't know, uh, there was a number of condos that were not built properly and then caused leaking. I know several people who were living in condos and suddenly they had to put out a whole bunch of money to help restore it and they were living in a wet environment. So did that influence you to just really be the best quality you could be while also staying within the budget? Uh, 
Absolutely, there's only one way to do it, and that's the right way of doing it. And we have building codes, we have rules and regulations we have to follow, and we absolutely cannot afford to take any shortcuts. So in order to achieve the job, achieve the goal and get the job done properly, there's a process to follow. Yeah, and people don't realize it sometimes, whether you're in the construction industry or something else, it is so easy as a business owner to just cut those corners uh, to save some time and money. But if you don't think through the long-term ramifications, uh, it can really ruin your reputation, ruin the industry and affect a lot of people negatively. So it's, and that's why I like about you, Joe, is that focus on the, the long-term as well as the short-term. Absolutely. You know, the point I'd like to make is the importance of doing what's right and always do what's right, no matter how hard it is. And trust me, I know it will be hard, but with hard work and dedication, what seems impossible, it might become possible. As the old saying goes, everything's possible. Yeah, and it probably challenges your creativity and innovation a bit to be, it's kind of like, I just saw that latest Mission Impossible right? <laughs> film where you have this impossible situation and this, instead of having that negative attitude of, oh, it's impossible, we can't do it. Uh, it sounds like what you do is you go, okay, how do we get creative and find a way around this? And that's like a hugely important mindset as a business owner, right? Especially when you have a team where everyone works together, you know, the, the results are incomparable. Yeah, and so you get your team on board with their ideas as well and do kind of brainstorming? Yeah, you know, when you bring people together, they understand each other's objectives, they understand each other's roles and the goal. And when they work together, the, it's so much stronger than just an individual. The, the results are incomparable. Exactly. They have a phrase in English called, two heads are better than one, and you're more creative in a team, yeah. Now, you're working on a community project that's very exciting that I also wanted you to let people know about. So say a bit more about your work with Covenant House. Yeah, you know, I'm very passionate about volunteer work that I'm doing with Covenant House. Um, I'm also on a Sleepout Executive Committee, and this will be my third year participating in Sleepout event. What's the Sleepout event for people who don't know? It's an annual event where a group of people come together, Sleepout Executive Edition is uh, executives and uh, celebrities that come together, spend one night sleeping on the street in an alleyway, and it's to raise uh, funds and awareness to help uh, homeless youth and youth in risk. And, you know, I'm a dad too, so this is particularly close to my heart, and youth are our future. I want to do whatever I can to support them. And also when you see how dedicated they are at the Covenant House, and, and the results they're achieving, it's really motivating. It feels great to be part of it and be able to contribute to such a great cause. Your, your listeners can get involved by uh, checking out their website, covenanthousebc.org, or they can visit our website at superiorrestoration.ca, and there is a link to uh, my donation page. And donations of any amount are most welcome. Great. So those links will be here for you to go straight to. And uh, so people can donate money, they can donate time. What are some of the other things that Covenant House does for, for youth at risk? Well, helping them 
you know, get back on track and, and get back into community. And it was amazing to hear stories from some of the youth that went through the program from the time where they were at the lowest and, and getting through the process and now being on track and, and everyone wants to do something to bring back to the community to help those who are going through that process. And, and it's always a similar situation where it just things went sideways and people went out and you know, they had nowhere to go, nowhere to help them, and they were just homeless and with no, with no goal in life. And then people from Covenant House, they bring them into the program where they help them learn skills that they can advance in their life and you know, work and contribute back to the community. Because some, some of these people were not fortunate enough to have families and support around them who would you know, teach them like basic things in life. Seeing that someone was in that place at the age of 15, for example, and then being able to come back, go through the process, get the education, and now I'm so inspired and, and so dedicated to help back to the community, other people struggling with the same issue. Wow. This is, this is what drives me the most because it's not only helping this one person at the moment, it's actually helping break that cycle or, or minimize it. And it's almost similar to giving someone fish or teaching someone how to fish. How to fish, yeah. And one thing that's so great about you, Joe, is you've built your business uh, to such a degree that you can take the time to do a project like this that you're passionate about. Whereas a lot of people I know, they run their business and it just runs them 24-7 <laughs> and they don't feel like they have any extra time or money even to go and contribute back to society. Is there something that you did that helped you build your business in such a way so that you can also have time for things like this and your family and volunteering? Well, you know what they say, when, when something becomes a priority, then you find time for it. And uh, for me, it was building my team and scaling up business from there. Just everyone needs to do something good for the community. And I was donating for a number of years, but then I was told that I should actually get involved and put my time into it. And I thought, okay, if not now, when is the time? So I just had to make it a priority and go with it. Okay, great. Good. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with before we sign off? Um, if people would like to connect with me, they can always send me connection requests on LinkedIn. I would love to connect. I love networking. And also, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Joe underscore Tolzman. And Tolzman is with two N's. Good. Okay. So thank you so much for your time and your stories and your examples. So helpful for people. Thank you, Carla, for having me. That was great. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.